You are Locked On Mississippi State, your daily podcast on the Mississippi State Bulldogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Hell State Nation? Welcome into Locked On Mississippi State, a daily look into the world of Mississippi State Bulldog athletics. I am your host, Taylor Jones. Locked On Mississippi State is a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you'd like to connect with us, be sure to do that on Twitter at Locked On Miss State. That's Locked On M-I-S-S-S-T. You can do that on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle name for both of those. And if you're not on social media but still want to be a part of the show or you have any questions or concerns about what we're doing at Locked On Mississippi State, just send us an email, State at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and when you make your purchase, tell them that Locked On sent you. That way they know that you heard their ad on Locked On Mississippi State. Now we talked uh, earlier uh, in the in the show, uh, the beginning shows I should say, about what you can expect from Locked On Mississippi State. And one of those things that we talked about was that we will have a media member that covers the team that Mississippi State is playing that week to kind of give us an extra edge, an extra angle of the football game that's coming up. And uh, we're doing that today. We couldn't uh, quite make it work with LSU last week, but we're making it work this week as the Bulldogs get ready to host Arkansas for their 2020 home opener at Davis Wade Stadium on Saturday at 6.30. John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks. Again, that's Locked On Razorbacks. If you uh, get done with this podcast, you want a little bit more information on the Arkansas Razorbacks, be sure to search Locked On Razorbacks, listen to John's show. He puts on a great show uh, covering the Arkansas Razorbacks. He's going to be joining us in segments two and three today to uh, kind of give us that extra angle on what we can expect to see from uh, Arkansas this weekend. We also talk about their new head coach, Sam Pittman, and uh, is he better than Chad Morris? A lot of you are probably thinking one way, and that's kind of where John leans to, but you'll get a more in-depth reason as to why uh, the Sam Pittman era is already starting off way better than anything Chad Morris did in Northwest Arkansas. Uh, But before we get into that, just a couple of headlines going on in the world of Bulldog athletics today. And I know that it is football season, but it's also MLB postseason time, which in my mind is equally as beautiful. Maybe college football is a little little bit further in the lead, but not a whole lot. Uh, Hunter Renfro, our guy Hunter Renfro yesterday in the wild card series for the Tampa Bay Rays against the Toronto Blue Jays, hit the first Grand Slam in Tampa Bay Rays postseason history they went on to win eight to two over the Toronto Blue Jays they swept that series two games to nothing and they will be heading to the American League Division Series I believe it's going to begin on Monday so they've got a couple of days off to get ready for that next series before they head to uh, the bubble uh, which is another interesting thing the MLB is doing uh, this postseason I believe the American League bubble is out in California the National League bubble is going to be in uh, Texas, I know Mitch Moreland is still out there uh, living it up for the uh, for the San Diego Padres, and uh, we'll be keeping an eye on the Diamond Dogs that are in the MLB currently playing in the postseason. 
Also, something that I saw today that I feel is very interesting and uh, just incredible to see as well. That is the leading passer in college football and the leading passer in the NFL. Think about that for just a second. What are the two names that come to mind when you think of the leading passer right now in college football and in the National Football League? Did you guess two Mississippi State guys? Because, gosh darn it, you're correct. The leading passer in uh, college football right now, K.J. Costello, he is uh, th- he leads uh, with 623 passing yards. Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys has 1,188 passing yards for the NFL. That's incredible. That's pretty awesome. So uh, big news there for K.J. Costello and Dak Prescott. I'm uh, expecting both of them to continue to have great seasons in the year 2020. Coming up next is John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks. We talk about the Hogs and get you even more prepared for the game on Saturday. This is Locked On Mississippi State, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models nowadays, it's almost impossible to walk into the traditional chain storefront and find exactly the car part that you need. You go in, you ask for help. The guy goes to the computer at the front of the store. He types in some numbers. Maybe they have what you need. Maybe they don't. But I'm here to tell you that you can skip that step. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com. That same computer that he's using at the front of the store is the same one that you have at home, the same one that you have at the office, the same one that you're probably listening to this podcast on right now. So go to rockauto.com. They have a unique and remarkably easy-to-navigate website You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle, and you can also choose the brands that you want. Best of all, all the prices at rockauto.com are reliably low, and they're the same for those professional mechanics that have been doing it for 30 years as those do-it-yourselfers who just need to put in a new headlight. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? I don't know why you would do that either, but they have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil. Hey, you got to stay on that carpet in your vehicle? Yeah, they've got that new uh, carpet for you as well. So whether it's your classic car or your car that you use every day to drive to and from work, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, and they deliver it directly to your door. So when you go to rockauto.com, find the part that you need, and when you go to checkout, be sure to write Locked On in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that Locked On Mississippi State sent you. Amazing selection, remarkably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. That's Rock Auto. John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks joining us on the podcast today to help us better preview the upcoming game with the Razorbacks on Saturday at 6.30 inside Davis Wade Stadium. Uh, John Neighbors, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network with Locked On Razorbacks. It's good to have someone from the family on uh, the podcast today. So, John, hopefully uh, things are going well in Fayetteville today. How are you? Man, I'm doing really good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Just looking forward to uh, week number two of SEC football. Uh, week one was wild in a lot of ways, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what week two will bring us. Uh, going back and recapping what the Razorbacks did in week one, they fell to Georgia last week, 37-10. to And that score, I feel like, is a tad misleading because Arkansas really handled their own against the Bulldogs there in the first half. Yeah, I, I mean, it, obviously you are what the score says you are, but there's no doubt that you know Arkansas had a lot of signs of improvement, especially over the nonsense that we've had to see and had to watch for the past two years. I mean, it was uh, 
it, it was very encouraging for Razorback fans to see it. And, you know, it really just came down as far as the score goes to the fourth quarter or the third quarter uh, where Georgia scored 22 points. And it's not that Georgia didn't play well, but Arkansas really put them in position to take advantage and to score some points. They had a pick six in that quarter. Uh, they, they had a block punt that gave them great field position in their own, in uh, Georgia in Arkansas territory, but for Georgia. And uh, they also had a big uh, kick return. So it's like those three plays right there led to the 22 points. So, you know, again, you got to make stops. You got to do what you got to do. But at the same time, it's, it's not that Georgia was just, you know, playing out of their minds in that third quarter either. So there were signs of improvement in Arkansas had a lead at halftime. Uh, the defense played really well. All things considered, I know Georgia quarterback situation wasn't great, but considering that this is the same Arkansas team that would give up 40 points last year to Western Kentucky, giving up five at halftime to Georgia is a definitely a win. So there's a lot of encouraging things, and I think that uh, people are going to be more interested to see what they do against Mississippi State because as good as Mississippi State is, they're not going to be facing uh, a defense like they did with Georgia with Mississippi State. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Yeah, the quarterback situation in Athens went from – uh, went from difficult in a good way to difficult in a bad way. You had two transfer quarterbacks coming in. You think, okay, well, you know, you're going to win either way. But one decides that he wants to go to the or he wants to prepare for the NFL draft, so he's going to opt out. And then JT Daniels isn't quite ready to play just yet due to uh, a nagging injury. So they have to, you know, throw two more guys out there. It ended up being uh, really, really weird for them. Um, and speaking of uh, quarterbacks, Arkansas with the new quarterback as well and uh, Florida transfer, Felipe Franks, didn't have too bad of a career in Florida, but when you've got a guy like Kyle Trask and then a guy like Emory Jones that can come in and certain packages and get things done, there's really not a lot of room for Felipe Franks to continue. So now he's at Arkansas. In his first game, he had 200 yards passing, a touchdown, and an interception. How big of a year do you think Felipe Franks can have with the Hogs? You know, when he was uh, when he was announced that he was coming in and I looked at what is what he did at Florida, uh, you know, it was it was impressive. At least he had that one year where he played pretty well. But honestly, the expectation for Felipe Franks for everybody when he comes to Arkansas is to just not make a lot of mistakes. Just don't make don't be that quarterback that throws a ton of picks that can't make plays. that doesn't make good decisions. Just don't lose the games like he's got a cannon of an arm. And I think he's, he's a good quarterback and he's got SEC experience. But, you know, Arkansas has some weapons around him that they can utilize a little more. So, you know, I think that given the way he played in the first game, you know, he did throw two interceptions. Uh, he did uh, struggle with some plays. But there were some plays, like the one touchdown that Arkansas scored to Traylon Burks, which was a phenomenal throw and decision by him. So he's capable of doing it. I think that it's going to end up being one of these cases where, he ends up throwing for 2,500 yards, maybe at best, but probably more so at around 2,000. And, you know, if he can just get to the point where he's throwing 18, 15 to 18 touchdowns, maybe uh, keeping 10 interceptions or less, I know it's asking a lot, but that's all they need him to do because if they can get the run game going with establishment for Akeem Boyd, who is a phenomenal running back, but George did a great job of shutting him down. If they can start getting that, then it's going to really open up a lot more opportunities for Felipe. This is John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks joining us on Locked On Mississippi State to help us preview the Mississippi State-Arkansas game coming up on Saturday night. Grant Morgan at Bumper Pool, they had over 10 tackles for the Razorbacks on Saturday. Your thoughts on their potential, and who are some other players on the defense that Mississippi State fans need to be on the lookout for Saturday? 
Yeah, I'm going to be curious how much they, those guys play, uh, at least in the same regard, this weekend that they did last weekend. Like, Bumper Pool was a highly regarded and highly recruited kid coming out of high school. Grant Morgan uh, was a walk-on uh, that ended up getting a scholarship, and he's really elevated his game. And as much as I really like those guys, and especially their tackling ability and how hard they hit, coverage is not one of their strong suits. So we know that Mississippi State's going to throw it a lot, or at least attempt to throw it a lot. We know that they have a lot of different options there. So honestly, I'm going to be interested to see if, how much they actually are, are put into the game. They may go more with uh, uh, defensive backs and some of those packages that they do. So that's going to be a key. But honestly, as far as the defense goes, uh, there's going to be a few key players. Dorian Gerald on the defensive line is going to be key because uh, he's been he had a, uh, an ankle twist. Uh, against Georgia, and we don't really know exactly the extent of it. So he's going to be a key where if he doesn't play, that's going to be a huge blow to the defensive line for Arkansas. So that's going to be interesting. And also in the backfield, I will say this, Arkansas has not had a defensive backfield that's been quality in a long time. But this year, they have some guys. They have some really good players. And this is going to be a great test for them to go up against Mississippi State. So look for Jalen Catalan, the hard-hitting safety, who had a really great game against Georgia uh, on Saturday. And also uh, a couple of guys that are going to be adding into the depth that didn't play Saturday because of, uh, of uh, um, some clearance reasons. And that's going to be Devin Bush as well as a guy where Jarquez McClellan. Those two guys uh, have a lot of experience from last season. So, you know, the secondary is going to be very well as far as depth goes. But will it be enough to slow down Mississippi State's op- offense is going to be the biggest question. John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks joining us today. And I want to bring up something that uh, you mentioned in your show a little earlier this week. You were, uh, after watching the Georgia game, you said that you were still kind of a glass-half-full kind of guy because of so many things that went right. How much of that do you think had to do with Sam Pittman now coming in as head coach as opposed to what Chad Morris was doing over the last two years? Oh, I think that's everything. I, I mean, this is something that I tried to you know, talk about really during halftime. I did a halftime periscope uh, of the Georgia game in Arkansas. And it, it's so cliche and it's so obvious, but it's so funny to me that in that first, I'd say the first 10 minutes of the Razorback game against Georgia, that was more competent play and more fundamentally sound play than I've seen of any Razorback team in the past three seasons combined. And it comes down to coaching because if you look at it uh, from this perspective, look at the defense. Arkansas lost Sosa Game last year, who was a draft pick in the NFL. They lost Scooter Harris, who led the, he was a linebacker who led uh, the SEC in tackling one year. They also lost uh, Cameron Curl, who's now starting for the Washington Redskins in the NFL. So you got three guys on defense that left the team last year to move on that were arguably the three best players on the team. You didn't replace them with anybody else, and already this defense is astronomically better than what it was last year. The offense, we, we want, didn't get a really a good idea, a good sample size because Georgia's defense is so good, and we know that Arkansas's offensive line is pretty, uh, is pretty limited when it comes to that. But you saw the coaching and the difference it made. There's, there's, I'm not saying that there's high-level talent on this team, but there's more talent on this team for them to go 0-10 again this season. And I think coaching is going to make the difference. And Sam Pittman does a great job of letting his coaches coach. Barry Odom, the defense coordinator, and Kendall Browns, the offensive coordinator. Sam Pittman's let him loose. He's like, I'll make the decisions. You know, it all runs through me, but I want you guys to have the creative freedom to be able to do what you think is best, which is uh, what all coaches want, especially at the coordinator position. So coaching has definitely made a difference so far in one week, 
Uh, we'll see uh, how the how it plays out this week because this again this will be a whole new test for Arkansas. But there is no doubt that this team right now is already better prepared, better coached, better fitted to play in the SEC than anything we've seen in the past three years. We'll continue our conversation with John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks in just a few seconds. I want to ask him a few more questions about Sam Pittman, and then, of course, we'll get into Saturday's game with Mississippi State and Arkansas. This is Locked On Mississippi State, your team every day. John Neighbors joining us from Locked On Razorbacks here on this Thursday edition of Locked On Mississippi State. We ended that last segment talking about Sam Pittman, the new head coach at the University of Arkansas. I knew that he had a pretty big personality when he was at Georgia. It seemed like every time they got a big-time recruit, he would put out the yeser videos. So we knew what kind of personality that he had. Uh, but when you found out that he was hired at Arkansas, did you think that it was a good hire, and how was he fitting in so far up in northwest Arkansas? Uh, I tell people this a lot because I like to toot my own horn on occasion, but um, like two weeks before, two weeks to the day before Sam Pittman was hired, I tweeted out that I want Arkansas to go get Sam Pittman. Uh, I was one of the few people that said that, and it, I'm not saying it just for the sake of, you know, that the fact that I said it, but the reason I said it is because Arkansas needed somebody that everyone respected everyone wanted to play for everyone wanted to coach with and someone that had legitimate sec experience and high level recruiting experience and that's what sam Pittman had now granted he's never been a head coach before uh, and he's never been a coordinator before at least at this level and so people kind of knew that there was going to be a risk and reward in it but when he was hired the key that had to happen for him like everyone was like okay we can get behind this guy he loves arkansas he loves this job like what we need to take, get behind him in some other way. Well, it was going to be the staff. What guys did he bring in? And to me, I don't know if you could have brought in a more established and more impressive coaching staff than what Sam Pittman did for a guy that's never been a head coach before. I mean, Barry Odom was a, was a home run hire at defensive coordinator. Kendall Bryles is an up and coming offensive guy that has had some experience. I mean, you got guys like, uh, Coach LeBlanc, who's the defensive line coach over at Kentucky and has some great players, he came over to Arkansas. Scott Fountain, who's the special teams coach uh, over at Georgia and also helped out with Auburn at times, he's a special teams coach. He he just made great hires, and the recruiting's got to come along with it too, but there's no doubt that the guys that he's put into place is very impressive, and now it's just a matter of putting it together and and going out and winning games. And as far as him fitting in favor, I mean, there's no – guy that exudes Arkansas more than Sam Pittman. He loves this place. He, he has said from the beginning he's loved this place. In fact, when he was an offensive line coach under Brett Bielema at Arkansas, he had the opportunity to go to Alabama. Alabama, Nick Saban, wanted to hire Sam Pittman and pay him uh, at the time, which I know is nothing crazy now, but at the time, a half a million dollars for an offensive line coach. He took a $50,000 pay cut to stay at Arkansas where they are just coming off of a six and six year. So it just shows you that this is a place he loves and he loves to be here. And honestly, I don't know of any other job he'd rather have. So he's fitting in great. Uh, the coaching is great. The, the uh, decisions have been great so far. Again, now it's just a matter of going out and winning games. And until he wins games, people are still going to be skeptical. But I think the winning will come quicker than people will uh, even realize. The overall vibe that I get from Arkansas fans and the media that covers Arkansas is that they would like to forget that Chad Morris ever happened at uh, Arkansas, and, and, and rightfully so. But now he is the offensive coordinator at Auburn. 
do you see him kind of doing what Lane Kiffin did where he was a head coach of a college program, didn't quite work out the way that he wanted to, so he's taking a step back, going to be a coordinator for a little bit, and do you see him probably within the next five years being a head coach again somewhere? Uh, well, if they if he is, then it's going to be the biggest joke of the century. Like, there are some people that are built to be coordinators and all that. There's some people that are built to be head coaches. Chad Morris, without question, and and this is – I have not been covering SEC football for a long time, but I know people who have for a long time that agree with me. Chad Morris was the worst head coach in SEC football history. It was not even close. And it had nothing to do with uh, his ability as a play caller. And, and, like, even though that was bad, play calling was bad, offense was bad. Like, that was bad. But what it was is that he completely and totally had no idea how to handle a, a team. He had no idea how to get the morale of the team. He came in and his first action as a coach pissed off pretty much every player on the team that wasn't his, where he kept telling them that, hey, or kept treating them differently because they weren't his recruits. So he didn't care about them. He was just wait till they got his recruits in there. And so they resented him for it. Like he was just a mess. He was an absolute mess. He was a poor leader. He was everything that you should be in a coach. He was the opposite. So I just don't see if someone hires him as a head coach, it's going to crash and burn. It's going to crash and burn hard. He he may be a fine offensive coordinator. He may be a fine play caller. He may be okay at Auburn. Like he may work out. But I'm telling you right now, he there's just some people that have it. There's some people that are born with it, and he doesn't have it. So if, if I kind of hope that like a team I hate ends up taking him as a, as a risk as a head coach because that would make me pretty happy. But there's no doubt that uh, if he gets another head coaching job, it's not going to go any differently than what it went at Arkansas. Some uh, strong feelings there about former head coach Chad Morrison, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, watching the uh, Western Kentucky game that we mentioned earlier in the show, that was something to watch. And then, of course, the way that they uh, defended that punt return against North Texas that you really made Arkansas the laughingstock of college football. I would want nothing to do with that guy either if uh, if I were Arkansas. Uh, another big off-season topic, I, I guess it was an off-season topic. It was something that happened uh, towards the very end of the off-season where the SEC announced that they were going to play a 10-game conference-only schedule. And a lot of people, once they saw the schedule, looked at Missouri. They also looked at Arkansas and said, my God, what did they do to make the folks in Birmingham so upset that they got the toughest schedule that they possibly could. They've got to play, of course, Alabama, LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M in their own division. And two of the games they get on the cross division, they get Florida and Georgia. Uh, Missouri didn't really fare that uh, well either. Vanderbilt didn't get a good draw either. Uh, So what was the thoughts in Fayetteville about the uh, draw? And plus, you know, what your thoughts on how uh, Arkansas can do against that schedule now that you've seen them play a game? I mean, I, I understood what the SEC was trying to do. It basically, you know, they can say they, they handled it differently or did things differently. But to me, it was pretty much just set up to say, uh, we're going to take the best teams and give them the, the worst opponents in the SEC because they wanted to seed it out. They didn't want to overload uh, their biggest teams and, and prevent having a situation where you got your two best teams going eight and two. Like they just, I get it. Like I totally get it. And, you know, Arkansas really got the short end of the stick there, but I understand. It's like if they, if Arkansas was a better football team, if they were coming off of a, you know, an eight or nine win season, they probably wouldn't have gotten the draw that they did. So I understand it.
but you know, this year for Arkansas is going to be such a wash anyways. I guess Sam Pittman's first year, uh, you know, it was going to be a struggle. It was going to be a struggle to, to win some sec games. So it's kind of like I put it from the perspective of, you know, what's, what's two more games against Georgia and Florida. Like no one's expecting you to win and no one's expecting you to, to really do anything differently than what was expected before the COVID hit. So what, what, what difference does it make? So I think that Arkansas will still win two games this year. I think they'll beat Missouri uh, on around Thanksgiving. I, I think Missouri is a terrible team. And I think that Eli Drinkwitz is a very uh, uh, underprepared and not very, I don't, I just don't think he's a strong coach. And I don't think he's just, I don't think he's there to that point just yet, especially for a place like Missouri. So I think, I think Arkansas will beat Missouri this year. Now the other win is going to be, it's kind of up in the air because a lot of people thought Mississippi State had a chance of being that, but now they see the uh, what the offense looks like. I think people are backing off on it, but I don't know. LSU looked very pedestrian. I'm not saying Arkansas will for sure win, but you know that they could they could find a way to get in a battle with them. Maybe uh, maybe Ole Miss, a team like that. So uh, going two and eight this year is kind of what I thought Arkansas would do. And uh, if they do that, I think most Razorback fans will be content with it, especially since they haven't won in SEC games in 20 tries. So I think that they'll, uh, I think it'll be fine. And it's, again, it's just more like, Hey, if you're not a, if you're not an SEC fan and, and you don't, and you can't get on board with this schedule for everybody else, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, we got, we got Auburn and Georgia this weekend. We got Bama and A&M this weekend. I mean, it's just a, it's a lot of fun if you're an SEC fan for sure. Yeah, no doubt about that. I know uh, Barry Odom would probably be happy to get back at his former team as well if they beat Missouri. Um, A lot of great content there from John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks. Uh, Last thing, John, before we let you get out of here, just uh, what's the vibe of Mississippi State around Fayetteville? What's Coach Pittman saying about the Bulldogs? And also your final thoughts on how you think the game will go on Saturday. I mean, everyone knows exactly what Mike Leach is capable of, uh, but they also know that there are times where he he will win a game that he's not supposed to win, and he'll also lose a game he's not supposed to win. You know, he's a he's a coach that's always been so intriguing and and really good at what he does, but there are also times where there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a step back. So, people are hoping here in Fayetteville that that happens this weekend. I don't know if it will or not, but. Uh, they're definitely understanding that Coach Leach is a guy that is going to always going to be a, a tough match, especially offensively. So nothing will be different this weekend. But you know, Sam Pittman has a lot of respect for him. I asked Sam Pittman about him uh, just earlier this week, what he thought about Coach Leach, and he has nothing but respect for him and knows that you know he has success at what he does, and that's really what makes great coaches is that if you're amazing at what you do and what you know, then you're never going to be a problem in, in as far as finding a job in college football. But I think in, on Saturday, I don't think <laughs> – I'm going to probably eat my words here. I don't think that K.J. Costello is going to throw for 630 yards again. I, I don't think that we're going to see the offensive success that uh, Mississippi State had against LSU just because there, there's a little more film on the team. And, and now you kind of see what they're trying to do and – I think George or LSU had so many new guys, new faces that they they just that was just a bad matchup in week one. Uh, I still think though Mississippi State will win, but I think it's going to be a much closer game. And I think offensively, you're going to see more of a shootout between the two offenses and and all of that. So uh, I think Mississippi State wins, but I still think it's going to be a close and entertaining game. Maybe something like a 44 to 40, something like that. Uh, but uh, it should be entertaining, and I think both teams will be well-prepared for the matchup against each other. 
Yeah, I think Coach Leach would agree with you on that. Yeah, it was exciting to see that 623-yard performance against LSU, but um, the the more Mississippi State plays, the more the SEC is going to get used to the air raid, so it's all about having to adapt and continue to do what you're doing. That way you keep winning. John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks joining us on the Thursday show as we preview the Arkansas and Mississippi State game coming up 6.30, SEC Network, Davis Wade Stadium, the home opener for the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Uh, John, really enjoy listening to you on Locked On Razorbacks. How can Bulldog fans find you so that they can get more information on this week's opponent? Yeah, just uh, you know, the same kind of way that you find your podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, it's the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors. The reason it's called Buzz is because I also host a radio show here in uh, sta- a statewide radio show here in the state of Arkansas on 103.7 The Buzz. So uh, there's many different ways to find me, and if you can't find me, that's on you. That's not on me, man. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the game, and I know that uh, a lot of Mississippi State fans are as well. It should be a great one. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnMissState. That's LockedOnMissST. You can also send us an email if you'd like to be a part of the podcast, LockedOnMississippiState at gmail.com. John Neighbors from Locked On Razorbacks, thank you for being a part of the show today, and I feel like I am about 200, uh, uh, 200 times smarter now after um, listening to you talk about the Razorbacks. I feel more prepared than I've ever been uh, for any football game that Mississippi State has played, so thank you for being a part of the show today. Yeah, well, you're probably the only one that's going to feel that way, but I'll take it either <laughs> way, man. Appreciate it, though. Until next time, hail states. We'll talk again tomorrow.